Warning. This week's escape pod contains strong graphic violence. This is really, really not one for children. Escape pod 207. July 17th, 2009. Today's story, Wonder Mall Doll by Cameron Hurley. Hello and welcome to Escape Pod. I'm Steve Ely. So, this week we have a war story. It's a different sort of war story. We present Wonder Mall Doll by Cameron Hurley. Miss Hurley lives in Ohio. Her bio, to which we'll link in the blog post, makes a pretty good adventure story in itself. It has Alaskan hunting and Roman toga parties and disease and famine and martial arts and several high-profile fiction sales, including Strange Horizons and The Year's Best SF. Her first novel, God's War, is coming out from Bantam this fall. This story first appeared in the science fiction war anthology From the Trenches, from Carnifex Press in 2006. The story is narrated for us by Kim the Comic Book Goddess, the fabulous host of the Geek Pantheon podcast and Your Moment of Kim, both available at geekpantheon.com. She is rumored to be highly placed in the SSDWC, the Secret Society for Delayed World Conquest, but if we confirm that, she'd have to kill us. Eventually. When she gets around to it. So, any questions? Just one. How do I get out of this chicken shit story time? Wonder Mall Doll by Cameron Hurley We sat down in Pocoy as part of the Organics Inquisition team, still stinking of the last city. We're all muscle, not brains. The brains are out eating at the foreigners' push downtown, and they don't care if we whore around the tourist dregs half the night so long as somebody's sober enough to haul them out come morning. When the brains aren't eating, they're pretending to give us directions in the field, telling us where to sniff out organics. They're writing reports about how dangerous Pukoi is to the civilized world. We're swapping off some boy in a backwater push the locals cleared out for us. We're sitting around a low table. I pass off another card to Kep. Luce swaps out a suit. She has to sit on one leg to lean over the table. It's hot in the low room, so humid that moths clutter around our feet too heavy to fly. The boy is making little mewling sounds again. Somebody should shut him up. But not me. This is my hand. I'm ahead. Rose got her feet up on the chair next to me, head lolled back, eyes closed. She's sweating like a cold glass. Tell finishes up behind the curtain. She took her time with the boy. The kid. Not a kid, I guess. Looks young. Too skinny. They're all pale as maggots here, built like stick figures. She pushes into a seat next to Kep, flicks on the radio tube. It flickers blue-green, vomits up a misty shot of President Nibirie talking trash. Turn that up, Rose says. She passes me some sen. Her teeth are stained red. The boy stumbles past the curtain. He's a little roughed up. Rose throws some money at him. Cap crowns my king. I steal an ace. The boy clutches at the money in the mud. Moth's wings come away on his hands. 
There must be something Roe doesn't like, because she stands and roughs him up some. He starts squealing. Elections back home are in a month. President Nibiria's nattering about foreign policy in Pakoi. President says we'll be home in six weeks. Three of our squads just got hashed by a handful of local boys and teenage girls. They don't pull us out soon, and they'll be shipping us home in bags, Tell says. Nibiria won't be in that seat in six weeks. Nibiria can eat shit, Kep says. Roe cuffs her. Watch the yapping. She sits down and starts polishing her boots. The boy on the floor isn't moving. We've been here nine months looking for treaty violations. Organic dumps. Bags of human sludge. We haven't found a fucking thing. There's nothing dangerous in Pukoi. Ro has me and Kep on point. Kep's all right. A talker. Doesn't keep the tube on all the damn time like Tell. We're checking out another field the brain sent us out to sniff. Running fire drills, Ro calls it. We're mucking through half-filled ditches, cutting open suspect corpses, raiding contagion shelters. So, Kep says. Sister says, I want to marry her, like in the books. Like, for love. A pauper. So Mother Mai says, Fuck you, I suggest. Yeah, yeah. Mother Mai says, You marry for business. It's in the Bible. Is that truth? Yeah. Book of Tekli, page 18, line 95. Thou shalt eat fish, I say, wondering if we're talking about the same book. Hold, Roll yells from behind us. Kep and I drop to our bellies in the high grass. We're slathered in bug secretions, but it doesn't keep them away. I can feel bugs boring up under my slick. Yellow and black ticks. Whore ticks. Pill ticks. I'll spend all night burning them out. Did you see anything? Kep says. Nah, I say. I crunch a bug in my teeth. Somebody pokes at Kep. Kep nearly sets off a spray. I pivot onto my back, raise my gun. It's just Roe. I flop back over onto my belly. Roe stays crouched. We're twenty paces, Roe says. I don't see nothing, Kep says. Tell and loose a running scout, Roe says. Hold. We wait. The bugs really start to swarm. Clear, Tell's voice loud. Up, Roe says. Kep and I pace at a half-crouch, our eyes just above the line of the grass. I can see Luce and Tell at the base of a rocky rise overhung in widow's drape and black morvern. They've uncovered a gaping black mouth. I come up along Tell. Kep flanks Luce. Light, Rose says. Tell snaps a globe off her vest and flicks the release, tosses the globe into the darkness. The globe throws off white light. Roe points us in. Kep? Gian, she says. Cap and I slip into the tunnel. We have to crouch. The floor's smooth. The globe stops rolling at a bend in the corridor. I hear a scuttling sound like cockroaches. Cap raises a fist. We stop. Cap kicks the globe around the turn. The globe cracks against the far wall. Something moves. Kep goes down on one knee. I aim over her head, into the bowl of the stone room. The globe leaves no shadows, so I see them. 
hunkered against the stone, clinging to each other, quaking like boats at tide. McCoy's stashed organics. Their treaty violation. Nibirye might get her seat yet. Live, Kep yells. Tell? The three girls on the floor start crying. They try to bury their heads in their skinny arms. There's no fat on them. I could break all their bones in my bare hands. Tell Thumpson, does a count. Haul them out, she says. I called it in. They want them live. The fuck? Cap says. So we haul them out. Live. They come kicking and biting, but they're spent by the time they hit air. The littlest one is the fiercest. All teeth and eyes. Ro looks them over. She's holding Tell's tube. I hear the tinny voice buzzing from Central. Ro clicks the tube off, tosses it to Tell. The girls start babbling. They're naked, and their accents are bad, but they know what we're saying. They're feeding us some story about hiding from bursts. Dead families, bloated bodies. They say they're not tailored, not dangerous. They don't know anything about organic sludge. I've heard it from every bag, and every bag opens up the same. Shut up, Tell says. She steps in, butts the biggest one in the face with her gun. The little one leaps on Tell and starts tearing at her slick. Cap and Luce and I drag the girl off. Tell binds the girl's hands, trusses up the other two with plastic wire. We string them together and make for Central. We're a long way from Central. We don't talk about that. So Mother Mai says, Fuck Mother Mai, I say. Tell's got watch over the girls. They're huddled around a big cicada tree. Rose poking at the fire beetles in the stove. Dusk is heavy. The lavender sky goes deep purple, then black. It's like being smothered. Mother Mai says, What you gonna do with a womb anyway? It gonna chew your meat for you? Kept sitting up on the fallen tree behind me, wiping down her gun. She's got a globe up there set low. The light's orange, like bad urine. One of the girls is bleeding, the little one. It's been three cities since I've seen a woman bleed. I forgot that some still do it. Tell's still got a grudge against that girl. She started calling her Maul. So my sister has it put back in. Nip and tuck, Kep says. You know what happens? Luce is pulling off the heads of powder bugs. She keeps dropping them on me. I pound at her ankles. She kicks away. Nothing happens, Kep says. She doesn't even bleed, because she's got implants, of course. I thought she'd be crying all the time, like a boy. <laughs> no. It's social, my sister says. Makes boys so screwed up. Your sister should run for a seat, I say. She sounds like a bleeding heart. Her and all the bleeding hearts can run the whole damn world from the seat. Start wearing their wombs like trophies. Yeah, Kep says. She spits sun on her cleaning rag. Yeah. Ro yells at Luce and tells her to run a perimeter sweep. Ro kicks me and makes me heat up the pod. I take some over to tell and the girls. The little one, Maul, bears her teeth at me. But she takes the food in. Takes it so fast she vomits it up. 
One of the others, this big, broad-shouldered mutt, just looks at the pot like she's never seen food before. She goggles at me like a kid. When she looks at me, I hear that boy. The mewling one. We move at light after delousing. The girls are sweating too much, losing too much water. All that uncovered skin. No slicks. They drink too much. Luce is running scout. She circles at midday when we're sitting out the worst of the heat. Off track, Luce says. They put up a ward over the road. Rose spits Sen. Our road? Yeah. But Koi doesn't want us coming back in, I say. Or they're just doing road work, Rose says. Don't think they're savvy. We reroute. Tell? Tell flips on the tube and reroutes us. We have six more days in the field, but the reroute gets us two more. Roe puts us on cut rations. The girls whine about water all night. All but the broad-shouldered one. She has a tangle of curly hair, always hangs her head over. Kep starts calling her doll. What are we calling the other one, Tell says. The third one, the skinniest girl, with a face smeared purple with bruises, holds her arms over herself, bobs her head. I have a boy back home. He bobs his head like that when things get tense. Says he's thinking too much. Call her Wonder, I say. The girls slow us down. There are bugs to eat, but the girls keep retching them up. Kep's on scout next day. Comes in, says there's a village a click south. Maybe two or three dozen bags, she says. Mostly boys. Ro gives the nod. Stock up on water. Be good. We push. Luce switches out Scout with Kep. Kep paces me. Tells still on girl detail. Rose taking up the rear. Kep and I hit dirt first. We scare a group of scraggly girls and kids in one of the bug farms on the edge of the village. The girls slosh up onto the banks of the ponds. I see the rolling forms of giant medillo bugs churning through the muddy water. Some of the girls grab stones as they disappear into the bush, but nobody throws any. They'll hide and wait. Ro tells us to be careful now. Look for trips. Don't go in the water. When we get into the spread of the village, a bunch of girls are there. They're darting back and forth, carrying stones. A couple have razor bugs mounted on long poles. Tell's got the language down. Try some bargaining. They won't have it. Some stones fly. Kep sprays a couple of the closest throwers. They screech. Their skin starts melting off. Tell shouts out again that we want water. A roof. They send somebody out, some old woman. She brings two boys with her. Skinny, sticky things, no better than the ones in Pekoi proper. She kneels down, and the boys kneel down next to her. She holds out their hands to us. Tell says we have to take them. It's a ceasefire offering. I tell her, water's better. Ro grunts, grabs the boy's hands. A roof, she says. Water. They put us up in the old woman's hut, a circular mud pit layered over in thatch. Tell turns on the tube. Ro takes up the food they bring in. We stash the boys in a corner and tell them to shut up. 
The hut's pretty small, and there's a lot of us. It's too crowded. Ro puts Cap and Loose and me outside, tells us to watch point. Cap squats down against the house, pulls out her cards. I don't like the air we're getting off the locals. They're too used to muscle. There's a boy watching from the doorway of one of the far huts. He's seven or eight, old enough to be trouble, young enough not to be much trouble. He comes out of the doorway, takes a couple steps forward. I'm keeping an eye as we lop cards. Luce stares the kid straight in the face. He waves at her. Cap adjusts her gun on her shoulder. Luce yells out at him in the local. Her accent is bad. You stay there. Stay or we shoot. Understand? The boy goes still. His eyes are wide. He's looking past us. I look at Kep. She's at the corner of the hut. I can't see around it. I yell, Kep! Kep unshoulders her gun, flops on the ground. She fires around the corner without looking. Luce is up. I dart around the other side of the hut. I hear the girls inside screeching. I pace all the way around, duck out, and see what Kep hit. There's a couple screamers, a boy and a woman, maybe his older sister. Their faces are pretty smeared, black holes for mouths and eyes, flesh running off bone, no noses. They're wiping off their own faces with their hands. I do a quick sweep. There are half a dozen people out, more coming up from the other end of the village. They've got stones. Somebody's got a writhing basket. Flesh beetles. Hold! I yell. I only know a couple words in local, and I got that one down. But they don't hold. They start screaming. Somebody throws a stone. Luce sprays the nearest two. They go down. There's a girl up on a roof. I see her throw, but she's so far off I don't think she can hit anything. But her aim is good. Kep goes down, struck right between the eyes. I run toward her. The crowd screeches. I can hear Rose's voice somewhere behind me. Move back, Luce says, and yanks me away from Kep. I can't shoulder my gun and grab Kep. I'll lose point on the hostels. Cover me, I say. The girl with the basket dumps her beetles. Luce sprays her, but the beetles are out. They swarm. Hunched, dark figures as big as my palms. I fall back from Kep, and the bugs overtake her. Kep jerks. I duck to reach for her flailing arm. One of the bugs jumps on my hand. I try and smash it, but the pincers get me between thumb and forefinger, right through my slick. The bug starts pumping yellowish fluid. Luce keeps dragging me back. Rose up behind me now. She rips off the bug, takes a hunk of my flesh with it. Pain jolts up my arm. Rose got her gun out. Jean, take girl watch. Tell, get out here. I need a translator. I hump back around to the front. Tell's already heading my way. I take watch on the girls. They're huddled in the entryway, clinging to each other. Doll is starting to cry. We're boxed in. We've got hostels all around. I can see a half dozen more coming up from the ponds. They're running. There's more screaming around the other side. Rose shouting, Spray! Take them out! And when the ones from the pond get close enough, I take them out. Their hands are empty, but Kep's dead, and Rose giving the watch. We're the muscle, not the brains. I can't hear the girls anymore. 
because everyone else is screaming. I slip a knife out of my boot and go and cut the ones I sprayed. Shut them up. I've got my slick on, so the spray stays off me. Their heads are just big globs of goo now. Luce is running toward me. I'm standing over a half dozen bodies. I wonder how many more hostels we've got left. Orders, I say. Tells it, she yelled. Rose down. Down? Down. I stare past Luce. Tells humping back. There's a heap of oozing bodies behind her. She's got Rose gun. The fuck, I say. She's down, Tell says. The fuck you mean she's down, I say. Let's go. Let's get these bags and go, Tell says. She grabs Wonder by the arm, tries to yank her up. The whole lot of them are clinging so tight that when Wonder moves, they move too. I do a quick count, look for movement. There's the heap Tell and Luce left behind, the heap where Roe and Kep are. I can just see something flickering on a far roof. What have they got left? Kids and kittens? I said we're up, Tell says. Luce and I share a look. Luce, run point, I say, because I can't grab the girls and aim my gun. I'm stronger than Luce, but she's a better shot. I look back again at Roe and Cap in the bodies. I can't even tell one from the other. Move, Tell says. I grab hold of Maul. She bites at my slick, so I throw her over my shoulder. She goes limp, and we move. Luce paces ahead. She sprays anything that moves. Boys, chickens, bugs. She sprays out a path, and there's nothing left living behind us. We make it to the bug ponds. Maul twists suddenly, so sudden I think she's having a fit. I lose my grip, and she goes over, rolls into the water with a splash. Luce twists towards the pond, aims her gun at the water. Luce, point, I say, because I've got my own gun out now. She's moved off point. Wonder and Doll are crying. I try to switch my gun setting low, but it's been jammed since the last city. Go get her, Tell says. She's got the other two by the hair. Some of it's come out in her hands. Fuck you, I say, because she isn't Roe. But Roe's dead, and that leaves her. The girl's sobs are turning to keening. I can't see a ripple in the dark water. Luce sets off a spray ahead of us. I got movement! What are you shooting at, dogs? I yell. Tell hits my shoulder with the butt of her gun. I nearly lose my balance, nearly go over. But Tell had to let go of the girls to do it. Doll's crawling away. Wonder's almost on her feet. Tell grabs Wonder by the hair. This time a big hunk of her hair comes away, leaves a bloody scalp. Wonder screeches. I stumble forward. These bags of sludge are going to come apart. They're going to come apart and vomit on us, hawk up a thousand hours of organic tailoring. I grab Doll by the ankle, pull her towards me. She bites at my slick. Her teeth don't go through. I put my hands around her throat and squeeze and squeeze. She flails like kept flailed, only her face is turning gray. Tells with wonder. Luce is yelling something. Doll finally goes still. I let her go limp. I stand up. Tell's standing over Wonder. Wonder's curled up into a ball. I take my knife out of my boot.
Don't cut her, Tell says. But I cut her anyway, because Tell can test and bag a corpse better than a live fish. And Roe and Kep are dead. Wonder bleeds. More than I thought she would. I keep her between my legs, hold her still. She jerks a little. Her eyes go glassy. I let her go, wipe my knife. Tag and bag her, I say. Central gets their proof. They just won't be live. Tell's staring at me. Lucy's still got her gun trained on the trees. I stare out at the water. Tell rips off her test pack and starts cutting open Wonder's warm body. Wonder jerks some more. I crouch, point my gun at the pond, and wait. Maul's body finally comes up, floating face down. Tell's hands are elbow deep in Wonder's corpse. I choose some sen. You gonna fish her out? I ask Luce. But Luce hasn't seen the body yet. One of the big bugs grabs hold of it again, hauls it back under. Tell sits back on her heels. She wipes her hands on her slick. She stands up. She looks blank. What? I say. Body's clean, she says. Clean? I say. There's nothing in there, Tell says. They weren't organics. Check the other one, I say. I don't need to. I point my gun at her. Check the other one. Luce licks her lips. Tell guts the other one. She cracks open the rib cage. The body shudders. She digs around for a while. Her hands come out bloody. No sludge. Clean. She looks up at me. Clean, she says. Now what? Luce says. We burn them, I say. They don't have a better idea. So we burn them. And they burn. Like good little girls. My little Wonder Mall doll. They burn. I choose some more sun. Tell flicks on the tube. There's nothing dangerous in Pokoi. We ship out three weeks later. We've got a new first and a new flank. We're the last squad to take off, so we get to see it. It's Tell who's on the tube. Tell who says, We're clear. They drop fire on Pokoi. Pokoi burns, just like anything else. The brains say Pokoi is too dangerous to the civilized world. Doesn't matter what the muscle says, what the muscle did. It's all about the brains, in the end. What they thought they saw. What they thought they knew. Tell's got the tube up by her ear. I'm watching the city burn. You hear it? Tell asks our first. Our first shakes her head. Eighty percent of the district's reporting. Nibiria's leading fifty-six to forty. Luce is wiping moth's wings off her boots, smearing dusty color on her cheeks. She laughs and laughs. Nibiria flies us to another city. And that was our story. 
I could go a lot of directions in analyzing this, but it seems kind of superfluous. It's not as if the themes or the parallels to recent history are all that subtle. This is Vietnam and Iraq. War is dehumanizing. This story pushes that point very strongly. What's interesting, though, is that my own reaction to reading it, apart from the visceral reactions, was that I kept waiting for the hook back to us, trying to make sense of this future's differences, how we got there from here. In particular, why was it all women? What changed to make that happen? The story never goes there, but I'll break with form here and read a line from the author's webpage about the story that I found especially interesting. Cameron Hurley says, quote, Populating the entire tale with women was something I did because dispelling the women will be calm, peaceful, and nurturing if only they're in charge myth is one of my pet topics. I don't believe that women would be more kind and nurturing than men if women were in charge. I don't believe women will want less power or act more nicely in order to get it. The reason men and women employ certain tactics in order to gain power is because those tactics work not because those tactics are inherently masculine or feminine. Food for Thought Meanwhile, Escape Pod is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and is distributed on a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. You can share us all you like, but don't sell us, change us, or use us as weapons of mass destruction. If you like this week's story, please tell a friend or the United Nations, or blog about us. And if you really liked it, please consider leaving a donation via the PayPal link on our site, escapepod.org. Also check out our sister podcasts, Pseudopod for Horror and Podcastle for Fantasy, at their .org domains. Our music is by permission of Daikaiju. You can hear more from them at daikaiju.org. That was our show for this week. Our closing quotation comes from Terry Pratchett by way of Granny Weatherwax in the novel Carpe Jugulum. For years, I've taken this quotation from this book as my personal working definition of evil. In dialogue, Granny says, And sin, young man, is when you treat people as things, including yourself. That's what sin is. It's a lot more complicated than that. No, it ain't. When people say things are a lot more complicated than that, they means they're getting worried that they won't like the truth. People as things. That's where it starts. We'll see you next week. Until then, have fun. <laughs>